talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a couple of weeks, but the dropped kickoff is back. And now... Preview time is over. We are officially in to the world of rugby. The season is back and we are coming to you just after, just ahead of round two of the season. I'm joined uh, tonight once again by both the boys from Sydney. Jack, how are you, mate? Good. Ready to rip and tear. And uh, Natho, lovely to hear you as well. Great to be back on. What a round of rugby we had. What a round of rugby it was. It was a delight to finally see footy back on. And can I just stop to appreciate the fact that it was one game straight into another game. I felt like I had become, I felt like I had suddenly become enlightened. Thank God for, for the fact that we were suddenly able to enjoy two fantastic games of footy together. It has been much, much missed. Um, where did you guys, uh, Nathan, where did you go and check out the footy on Friday? Uh, I was watching the first one from my house, and the second one I was out somewhere, so it was just, it was beauty of Stan, on the phone, have it rested up, perfect quality, and it was just, it was, a, both games are absolutely lovely to watch, it's great to see, some great running rugby back. I would ask where, where you were, Jack, but you were, you were right next to me, at, uh, <laughs> at my house on the tins, which, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive into, into Stan in a second because that's actually one of the questions that we wanted to talk about. But before we do, we, it's similar to previous podcasts. We've got our Q&A where we've taken questions from the audience. But we've also thrown in a few fun questions uh, of our own for this week. But beforehand, uh, let's talk about the, the first round that was. It was a very interesting uh, opening round. Uh, the Rebels had the bye, um, but the Reds, they went out and after the Tars uh, got that early first try to Gordon, um, they, the Reds demolished them, uh, putting on 41 points to seven, um, which was a, uh, a fantastic start for them. But obviously the Waratahs have a lot uh, have a lot of work to do. And then we were followed up by <clears throat> another fantastic game uh, out in the West. The rugby is finally back at uh, at the uh, at the Forstress, um at, at uh, HBF Park in Perth, where the Force came out. And had a pretty good game, but they went down against the current uh, defenders, the Brumbies, 11 to 27. I'll throw it to you first for this one, Jack. What were your two-minute thoughts on the on the first round? Uh, yeah, both great games. I thought both teams came out pretty firing. Usually, at the start of the season, there's a few there's a few bits of rust and a few drop balls, but I thought you know both games they were pretty uh, pretty handy. Uh, the Reds game. Look, look, the Reds look really red hot. Um, they blitzed the Waratahs. Uh, I thought James O'Connor finally sort of stood up and took the game by the, by the scruff of the neck, which is, you know, something I've been saying that our, you know, senior players need to really step up and, and drive the game forward. So I thought he was great. Um, and the particular note was the, the, uh, the law variation with the 20 minute red car. Where, uh, Parisi, uh, dumped, uh, Paisami on his head and, uh, got sent off. Um, so they, 
they, you know, he, he got punished, but the team was able to bring on someone after 20 minutes. So I, I thought that worked pretty well. Yeah, I'm in agreement too. Although it didn't end up making a difference in the end because of, <laughs> in terms of the, of the end scoreline, but certainly, uh, definitely changes the dynamic of the game. Um, what do you think, Nathan? Are you in, do you, are you in agreement with that, uh, with that law change? Um, and I feel awful for saying this because I know you're our resident TARS fan. And uh, right now, it's uh, it's it's tough pickings going so far. It was a great first five minutes to us. Yeah, that was tough. I mean, it's that was as clear as day you're going to see a red card. Parisi knows, will know that as well. Uh, I mean, for goodness sake, you can't even make the excuse that he's been in rugby league for a while, so he's lost the, the nuances of rugby union and the laws there. He, that's a red card in any sport. Um, but yeah, I, I like the ruling. Um, I, maybe in that instance, I, was, I could see the Royal Tars being down to 14 men. So I feel like that rule was brought in for the the accidental high tackle. Accidental sounds very wrong to say, but the one that sort of slips up where the World Rugby been very clear of trying to sort of cut down of. And in that instance, getting a, you look at it and you go, did the Royal Tars opponent said 20 minutes and something that was a clear foul play? Is that really worth it? But I... Speaking for a Wild fan, I didn't mind being able to bring Marky Mark on after 20 minutes, but yeah, it was a, I agree with Jack. That was a, it was a quality game. Um, injuries have crueled the Wild Tales already with Gordon and Walton out for significant periods. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. But again, the, that game was great. The Brumbies force I thought was a high quality as well. Rugby back in Western Australia is great to see. It's a real difference maker for the sport, I find. And, yeah, I was impressed with the force, even though they went down to a really good Brumbies team. Yeah, agreed. Thoughts on that too. Um, so let's dive into uh, the five questions from the audience. Um, and so we'll throw one, actually, just more of a general question that we decided to uh, to kick off with first, which was not necessarily about the rugby uh, that, we, that we were watching, but more about the actual coverage. Stan uh, showed its hand. We've we've got a sense of of what their style is like. Not only that, but they've started their uh, their new program, Rugby Heaven. Um, what's let's let, I want to hear some thoughts on on the Stan coverage, and I'm going to throw to you, Nathan, to this one first. Um, were you impressed? We do you like? Did you like what you saw? Yeah, I was very impressed. I mean, there's the numbers coming out were very solid as well, which is a great sign as well, but. The quality that they brought up, the addition of the Japanese league, I thought that was quite good. Um, watching the game on Saturday, Mark Hooper coming off the bench, that was, I, look, it was a step below Super Rugby, but it was attacking football, and that's what you kind of want to watch on a Saturday afternoon. But yeah, the quality of the programming was good. The analysis, I thought Checker was great during that halftime break. He provides a, a different in, like insight, which we've been used to. Uh, rugby Heaven is a the name speaks for itself. It is, it's a wonderful program, and for someone who has to sit through a lot of the yeah, NRL 360s and AFL 360s for work, it's refreshing to hear actual analysis. Commentators, instead of trying to make the news about themselves, look at a board and go, all right, A, a happened because B did this, C did this, and D ran that line. It's something so simple, but they did, they do so well. And I, I really enjoyed the program. And, yeah, overall, it was a great launch from Stan. 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, uh, you, you were talking about the numbers uh, as well. So I think from what I heard that, you, that we were talking before the podcast began, so the, the first game got 97,000 on the Metro uh, uh, in terms of actual people watching uh, on free-to-air, but then the overall numbers um, for the for the night numbered over 200,000, which uh, would, would, you cl- would we classify that as a success um, in terms of, a, of an opening night? I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a triple of what it did for its, um, the game in, the opening game in 2020. Uh, there's a better sort of vibe around the sport. And yeah, it was interesting to see the press release they gave out afterwards. The words used by Channel 9 guys who, uh, the, the word going into it was they weren't expecting much numbers given the tennis done at the same time. But the fact that they were saying it exceeded all their expectations is a positive sign heading forward. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this, Jack? I reckon because uh, I mean, you and I watched the footy together, um, footy you know together that um, on Friday. Um, were you uh, were you similarly impressed? What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought it was great. They brought a lot of uh, innovative new things. I really like that uh, HD cam. That's very uh, reminiscent of what they do in the NFL with all the, the close up um, cinematic action there. And I thought both commentary teams for both games. Um, were, were really good. Um, usually they, uh, you know, on, on the main channel, they'll put the A team on and then for the, the, uh, the streaming, they'll put the B team on. But I thought both team, uh, both commentary teams were really balanced, um, had a good mix of, of, of character and an, an, an analysis and, uh, it was really enjoyable to watch. They, they knew what they were talking about and, um, they all really worked well together. So in terms of rugby heaven, I don't know if you guys watched it, but yeah, I, I liked it. Um, couldn't believe it went, you know, over an hour, and uh, they they replayed the the uh, Aboriginal national anthem and had a uh, call in from Curtly Beal right at the end. So I thought that was a nice touch. Um, for me, I think the, the panel needs a bit of work on Rugby Heaven. I think uh, they need to change it up and get a bit more personality in there. Uh, Justin Harrison's pretty funny, but I think they just uh, they need to find that balance between, um, you know. Give it a bit of character and a bit of fun. A, a lot of it was, you know, you, you touched on it, Nathan, that, that analysis. But I think, you know, that should be a small part of the show, and the rest of it should be a bit more, bit more fun and entertaining. Yeah, it's uh, look. It's I think you know, just you know, obviously it's uh, you're going to have some kinks with everything, but it's uh, I think overall, I think that will come. That hopefully that humour will come with just them having more time actually being there together, and and that will hopefully gel. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree. There was one question or one issue that came up, and I'm not sure if this was a result of kind of Fox kind of being a bit more bitter at the fact that they weren't with rugby anymore. But there was a couple of articles that talked about how it was a bit of an issue um, that apparently you couldn't necessarily watch rugby or stand at the pub. Um, it's what do we what are we what are our thoughts on this? Is it a did anyone did you encounter any issues, Nathan? Because I heard you went out you went out after the after the second game, didn't you? Yeah, uh, was that the old Coogee Bay, which is <laughs> very interesting venue at certain periods of times. But no, I, I mean, I, I, at that stage, I wasn't aware of any issues that were going on. But when I soon get to the bar and you can't see any games on, it was a bit disappointing. Having to, as I alluded to, watching the game off my phone, but yeah, it's it's all those issues. I feel like they they need to sort out. Like it's it's not like critical, but it, 
for simple eyes on it and to get a more casual viewer to continue watching it, something as simple as having it on a, on a, at a pub on a Friday night, when, especially at this time when there's, let's face it, there's not that much competition going on in terms of live sport. I think it's something they should try and sort out in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, yeah, if you're competing against the NRL, AFL, and that's going on, that's going to drag people's attentions away. Yeah, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on it, Jack? Do you reckon it's a whole bunch of or a whole bunch of hullabaloo about nothing, or um, do you reckon this is something that uh, that Stan Sport probably need to address going forward? Or is it just or even better? Is it just a nature of the of the beast of the world of streaming? Is this a potential thing yeah. in general that we'll we'll have to get used to? Yeah, I've seen them float a couple of ideas, but yeah, it's pretty important that we get it, you know, into pubs um, and on screens. I think it's a bit of tin, tin bit of tinfoil. Conspiracy here. I think it's Peter Volandi's trying to shut it down. He's he's chief of executive of Sky Racing and all that sort of stuff. So I think he 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 took one look at it and goes, nah, rugby on rugby on at the pub. Get rid of it. <laughs> the tinfoil straight out there. Just he's <laughs> too threatened, so he's gonna he's gonna cut his Sky Racing, put his Sky Racing power on the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got your. You can't get in the way of trackside banter. Yeah, they're running. They're running scared. <laughs> no, he's got the Friday. He's got to prioritise those Friday dogs. Apparently, that's his word. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. If it was a bit from column A, a bit from column B. Yeah, my thoughts are agreed. Um, so let's. Uh, well, I think overall, it's. Uh, Curious to see how how Stan develops over the next coming weeks um, as the season kicks on, especially because we've got the um, not only have we got Super Rugby continuing, but also the start of um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, which uh, will kick off. I've, I, people gave me crap about my pronunciation last time, and I've and I've tried to look it up this time and get it right. So um, yeah, make sure, uh, you've got your Kiwi competition as well as your rugby comp as as well as your Aussie competition kicking off as well, which. Uh, um, which I think will be really exciting, um, and hopefully it'll it'll encourage more people to check out the platform. Um, let's move on to to question two, and uh, credit to Nathan for putting some kind of throwing it out there to uh, to have some, you know, whenever within our news section to encourage people to to ask some questions to appear on here. And we got a good one um, from Reds Revival. Shout out to to to, to you, mate. Um, and even though they're heading into the buy. Uh, this week, we thought it would be a good opportunity to focus a question uh, on the Western Force, um, because obviously they've they've done a lot of recruiting, they've done a lot of work over the the last couple of uh, last couple of months, and to put together a really competitive side. And we had our reservations. We talked about it in the last podcast in terms of you know how many you know WA players will be able to play, but also you need a competitive outfit to get on the field. Um, and while they went down against the Brumbies, it was clear though that there was a, the makings of a really positive, you know, great side there, fueled by a lot of, you know, fantastic international talent like Cabelli and obviously Rob Kearney, who, uh, who had a really great game for them, uh, um, you know, uh, at, at fullback. I'll throw to you first for this one, Jack. Um, the question that, that Reds Revival asked was, how long do you, will it take for the Force to click this season? Um, and what are your thoughts uh, on this one? Yeah, I hope it doesn't take them too long. They've they've got the cattle this year, I think. Um, you know, they've brought in a fair few players, and I, I'm pretty sure they've had enough time to gel. So, really, combinations and all that sort of stuff isn't really an excuse. They've got some some class international players like like Rob Kearney, where 
he got mic'd up on the weekend and you could see he was just as competitive as ever, dropping a few dropping a few swear words on the coverage. That's what you like to see. Uh, a bit of passion from the Irishman. Um and I think they'll go well. They'll they'll build throughout the season and, and I don't know if they're challenging for any top spots, but I think they'll at least win a couple games this year for sure. Yeah, you'd hope so because I mean they've they've got such a great supportive fan base out out in the west and they've always been a really fun competitive side that we like to to get behind and enjoy and you know there's a lot of you know great WA players and great stories that have come out of that club yeah. um over the last yeah since since it started nearly you know since in 2006 07. what are your thoughts on uh on the force this year? Do you reckon uh it'll be a case of just gelling really well and playing good footy together, or do you reckon they'll actually be genuine contenders? I saw enough from last week's performance that they are, can absolutely push for that sort of third final spot if they can get get it all together. I mean, yes, ill-discipline cost them in that first half, whether I know the coach was quite upset about the amount of penalties, but there were a couple of sloppy penalties in there. But, I mean, first up against the Brumbies... Is always going to be a tough task, no matter what team you are. And to be fair, they put a solid effort in. They naturally were buoyed on by their home crowd being at COVID capacity. But, I mean, when you compare the performance to what the Waratahs put up towards in that second half, where you look at their squad compared to the Rebels, you really think once they play those two teams, we'll get a better idea of if, if they when they click, how good is this team really? So they have the cattle, as Jack alluded to. It's just... I think Brumbies, it's too hard to get a read in the side and how good they are. So I, I think it's next week they've got the Waratahs at Bankwest. I think that's going to be a game where you see how good this team is. I think they're an absolute chance of pulling, pulling off the upset there in New South Wales. I don't know. So, so my two cents worth and uh, on this one is I actually reckon they will be a finals contender. Um, purely on the fact of, you know, and I'm not just saying that because, I mean, I've made it no secret that I've got a bit of a soft spot uh, for the force um, myself. Um, but it's more the fact that you're coming up against the, the champions, um, the, ch- the champion side um, in this competition. Um, and, and not only that, but a side that, you know, not, not, um, you know, not to toot the, the brothers more too much, but like they were, a, they were a pretty decent contender in the Super Rugby competition in general. Um, before COVID shut the whole competition down. I mean, they were second. They had run, had had a couple of wins on the road, even a couple in, in New Zealand, which is a, a tough place to win, even at the best of times. Um, so you're coming up against a pretty decent side. And add to that, I think, you know, even if all that, all that preparation off the field probably, you know, won't, wouldn't mat, would probably, com- you know, very difficult to compare when you actually get on the field and play together. Um, so for me, it's I reckon they will be a contender because for a first hit out, like you mentioned, Nathan, they they push them for most of the, they push the Brumbies for most of the game. Um, they, the Brumbies uh, were a bit disappointed not to get a bonus point, so part of me is thinking they assumed that they would. Um, and the only thing that really stopped the force is kind of like you mentioned their discipline, but just mostly that cohesion. And this goes back to kind of the Red Reds rivals question around how long it'll take for them to click. My thoughts are that it just, not very long at all because the fact that they were such a contender for most of that game um, suggests to me that they'll be close to potentially doing it again, to actually being, to actually, they'll click sooner than I think they will. Um, and 
it'll be great to see them in the finals. I think it'll be really great to see them in the finals because we've never seen the Force in a, in a, in a finals comp- uh, ever make the finals before. Um, and it, it, considering they're a bit of a, you know, they're a, they're a team that a lot of people I think have a bit of fondness for, not just over in the West but just in general. Um, I think it'll be it'll be really great to see them there, uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting game when they come off the bye, and it's a pity that we're not seeing them this weekend uh, as well. Uh, in addition, um, so let's move on to to question three, and this was one actually put forward by you, Nathan, um, which uh, was kind of talked about because we because we don't we, we kind of need to talk about the elephant in the room, which was while the the the, the force had some positives to take out of their performance. Uh, the Brumbies, of course, got the win. The Reds were fantastic. Um, it was a tough night for the Tars. Um, in all, all, all things perspective, and I know that you had you actually got the chance to speak to Penny on uh, on Monday. Um, the question that we we're going to ask is, what is going on with the Tars? Um, and I'll throw to you first on this, Nathan, because I know you probably know a lot more about this than me. Yeah, look, the Tars are in a, a real awkward position. Well, they're in an awkward position heading to this season, and I think your injuries to your likes of Joey Walton and Jake Gordon, who with the club's confirmed are going to be out for a significant period, doesn't help a team that was already struggling with depth, especially within the centres when um, Fichetti's still not back at training, Ben Donaldson's out with a quad injury, both those guys are still um, to be decided on when they're coming back. Uh, yeah, as you alluded to, I was at the press conference on Monday with Penny after that, and there was... He did seem a bit under pressure, I mean, but that's natural. That's natural after the, your Reds' performance. And any time you lose a rivalry like that, you can be under pressure, and it's particularly around the questions about the experience that left came up, and all those players that left to go overseas. That you could tell that lack of lack, lack of experience is not helping that side. Um, but it. What's really stood out to me is they've, I think they're very clear on where they stand, and it's not as titles contenders. Something I picked up on both during the, before the pregame and on Monday was Penny was full of praise of what the Reds and Brumbies have done and was very clear to state for the Reds it was they, they were a couple of cycles ahead of, ahead of us, was the words he used. For the Brumbies, they were a couple of levels ahead of what they produced last year. I think there's real there's expectations on this Waratah side, but I just I don't think they're finals contenders, and I think they've they've slowly starting to realise it with the injuries they're getting. But if this is a year about development, I think they've got the players that can really shine and kind of push to make, to make 2022 an incredible year for them. I know uh, Carlo Tizano, I know he was probably one of their better ones. I know he's got some incredible wraps in that forward pack. Uh, Will Harrison, sure, not his best game, but every person you talk to down at Waratah's HQ will praise his leadership and how he's really stepped up and kind of as a mentor for the, for those um, backs coming through. You like to attain Edmund, who we saw Edmund, who we saw on the weekend, and they get Swinton back this week. So I feel like this is a team that is. A, a, I know it's a bit rough to say after one week, but they're probably coming in with nothing, with no expectations and nothing to lose for this Brumbies game, which is going to be really interesting to see. Well, the good question then uh, to kind of throw back at you um, would be, and this would probably be a question that you know 
both of you can 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 address here is I think look, we both I think it's it's fair to say Penny I think has really hit the nail on the head when it comes to the fact that you know uh, the the both the Reds and the Brumbies and probably the Rebels as well are a couple of you know are a bit ahead of the Tars in terms of development and that is purely in the context of sheer time uh, on the park together um, I think we're all in agreement on that. Um, Going off your points, Nathan, what does, with that, with no expectations, what does a successful year look like uh, for the Tars then uh, in the context of this year, particularly after, you know, the stuff that they've had? Look, it's tough, and I think if you're asking them these questions a week ago, it's probably different to what it is now, given you have Jake Gordon and Walton out. Um, I think it's probably still competing for that third um, final spot. Uh, I, I mean, when you look at the side they still have, there is still plenty of um, worldly experience in that front row with um, Harry Johnson Holmes really stepping up um, as as a leader in that side. Um, they get that back row. All of a sudden, you get you bring Swinton back in, and there's two Wallabies at a, at a Wallaby and waiting in Tizano. So there's still quality. And I've, those that listened to the previous drop kickoff, We've heard me rave about Jack Grant. We get to see him start this week, and I think he's going to pick up where Jake Gordon left off. So I look, they're probably still competing for that th- that third final spot. That's going to be the expectations. But overall, I think they would like to sort of finish the year knowing that they have a core group of players that can compete, or they know will compete when they get to the same position in twelve months' time with just that bit more experience, bit more leadership under their skills. I think that's realistically, if you're looking for something, that's going to be your main goal in terms of player progression and where the club wants to be. Sounds to me like it's a lot of stuff, not just... It, it more, it'll be more resting on, on that development off the field um, more, than, more than on just the actual gelling of players. And it's interesting you touch on um, Jack, Jack Grant. I think... I'll throw to you for this one, Jack, because I know that uh, that you and I have, have been aware of, of Jack Grant, of, uh, Jack Grant for a while because he was a country Eagles boy back when the NRC was going, and he he really showed his stuff um, in that uh, in that last season of the NRC. Um, what does this Waratah squad look like to you, in your opinion? Because I mean, do do you think there is, uh, in terms of actual success, in terms of something positive uh, and constructive? Um, do you reckon what, what do you reckon of the makings of this of this squad here? Because it would be, I think it would be uh, a bit of a write off to just assume that oh, it's a whole case of tear the whole book up and start again and build again and build again because they obviously are building something, aren't they? Yeah, well, I said la- I said last time we were on the pod that they you know couldn't really afford to lose anybody, and I think you know the first week there's three major outs, so it's not looking good for them. But I think. Uh, I think they've drafted in a few good players this week. Um, be interesting to see how the centre combination goes with Tepai Marai and, and, uh, Noddy there in the centres. Um, Jack Grant, I don't think they lose much with, you know, obviously Jake Gordon's a great player, but Jack Grant can fill that hole pretty well. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, yeah, who else they can bring in. What's the, what's the rules around bring, drafting in a few shoot shield players if they, lose any more players. 
It depends if you're part of the extended squad, isn't it? Yeah. Nathan, you fill me in on this one. I'm assuming it would be if you you can be brought in from the extended playing squad, and then there has to be, in terms of some sort of uh, discussion around potentially building on on that, bringing those lads in uh, kind of gradually, because obviously it would be a bit difficult to go straight from shoot shield straight into into, yeah. into yeah, Super Rugby following week. It's 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 complicated, and I think it changes with the bubble that they have kind of going on. Um, I think you'd look at towards your development players that they have mm. in that sort of squad, or that they, I think believe it's a white. They have I want to say about six to twelve people in a wider sort of training squad, which they can yeah. pick on. Yeah, I, I know anyway. they picked it towards the back end of the season, and. I know, I've, but I'm not quite sure what your kind of development or how the process of bringing those players in. It would have to be a gradual process because you, yeah. you have to bring them in from the extended playing squad. But even then, again, this highlights the point that you were touching on last time we were on the pod, Jack, which is just right now, I mean, there's, there's talent at the Tars, but it's more just a depth issue than anything else. Yeah. They're on struggle street. They won't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Going. Brumbies fans coming out. I can see it. Yeah. It's that week. It's that week. We we have to be. We, we I, I, I'm trying to be neutral until the game kicks <laughs> off, and then everything goes to shit. Ah, oh, well, my bother. Yeah, <laughs> that'll have a that'll have a rough idea. I reckon. Remember what happened <laughs> when the Reds said before that? Reds said the exact yeah. same thing for the game last year. The SAG. How'd that end up? Yeah. Oh. Watch watch your back. Watch your but back. We, but it'd be a good opportunity for other teams to really sort of um, leapfrog them in, in the standings anyway and hopefully, you know, get a good mix of, um, you know, teams competing for that that top spot. You know, every, every every team goes through, you know, dips and troughs and peaks and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to spread the love around anyway. Shots fired. <laughs> um. Beautiful. I think we'll uh, we'll kind of t- and while we're before we move on to kind of our more uh, our more fun questions, um, I think it'd be also good to touch on uh, kind of the other game that's happening this week as well because we have you know, mentioned kind of the Brumbies and the Tars a little bit um, in context to, to the last round, but um, there's also the Reds and the Rebels and the Rebels kick off their season um, this weekend uh, at SunCorp. Uh, the Reds will uh, will take on a really really strong looking Rebels uh, Rebels side this week. Shout out to to Dave Vessels, a friend of the pod um, and a friend of Gaga. Um, and uh, it's going to look... They've got the makings of a fantastic side. You've got the likes of, you know, your, your, your Matt Gibbons, your Cameron Orr's, a lot of the, your Frank Lamani's, your Joe Powell's. Let's not forget Matt Tamua, Izzy Nicerani, um, Reese Hodge, um, and, of course, your um, captain, Dane Haler-Petty and Marika Corabetti in the back line. Um, Reds Revival actually added a, an extra question, though, in regards to the Reds, um, which is something I think we should probably do do a small little side note on, which was kind of touching on uh, the Reds' back line. Um, while it was, you know, while the Reds obviously put in a very clinical performance, um, I think it was fair to say that we all had some questions around, you know, um, what the ideal makeup of the Reds' back line uh, lo- would look like, and there were still a few chinks to iron out. Um 
What are your thoughts on this, Jacko? Just to, we'll do a little quick, like, semi question off the top of this, uh, off the top of this discussion here. Um, do you reckon this back, this Reds back line is, is, is set in stone and it's just a matter of gelling together or do you reckon there needs to be some, uh, some reshuffling? Uh, I think it looks pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, it'll be exciting to see, uh, old Sully finally make his, uh, finally make his debut. Um, but I think they're, they're pretty, Balanced at the moment, um, shouldn't really um, change much. I, I sort of would like to see maybe a Hunter Paisami, Jordan Pattaya in the centre combination. I think that would be pretty exciting with um, with old Hunter charging up the guts and flinging it out to Pattaya. And you know, if Sully makes you you know get the spot on the on the sting, I think that's uh, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I thought Pattaya was a little quiet last week in all things considered, which again was, I think, in context, considering how well the Reds played, was uh, was was surprising at all. Nathan, what do you think? Do you think it's a, um, do you reckon it's they're set in stone, um, or do you think that you know Pattaya should be moved around? We should have some fun with it. Paisami was looking fantastic, but, um, wasn't he uh, in that role? Oh, it, it was great, but yeah, I tend to agree with Jack. Just more more fact of of seeing what Vernavalli can bring. I think. What's scary to say in that Reds backline is he always brings a different element. Like it's that that old Flau tactic the Waratahs would bring up the cross kicks that would just catch wings out. Vernavalu is elite at that. He's got the speed. I think what the Reds are doing right now is perfect. Just bringing him back into the game slowly. He's still going to develop some skills. But yeah, when the time comes, they they'll pull the switch of Pattaya into the centers. Get Paisami. Partner with Asami, almost play Jock Campbell as like a second five, and then have him just launch balls to Vunivalu on the wing. I mean, it's a it's a dangerous Reds Reds backline when you look at it. I mean, you compare it with Rebels backline. Which, yeah, it's it's all right, uh, and and saying all right, it's probably not doing it justice considering you have Matt Tamur and Reese Hodge in there and Marika Corabetti. There's three Wallabies. But you look and Campbell back as well, the, uh, the the young gun. I think he was at the Reds for a little while too. Um, uh, he's an absolute. That he is, but like you look at that, you look at that. Sorry, you look at that Reds backline. Tate McDermott probably starts for the Wallabies this year. James O'Connor starts for the Wallabies. Dungunu and Pattaya probably two, two picked straight away. Jock Campbell, I reckon, is good enough to play for the Wallabies. Uh, Hamish Stewart is an underrated player in that back line. And so within that backs, within that back, what, back three, four, five, back seven you have there, there's probably at least six that are Wallaby quality backs. I mm. think it's, it's rare that we've had that in an Australian side over the past sort of five, ten years. We've had such cohesion in the back line and such quality. I think they are, that, they will cruise in this game, I reckon, against the Rebels. I'm yeah. sorry to say for our, our good mate Dave, but I reckon the Red, this is the Reds' game to dominate. Is the Paisami Pattaya combination the uh, the future for the Wallabies? You think? In the... Yeah, absolutely. That's the future of the Wallabies. I think when you consider it had some success at that international level, I think Pattaya needs to refine his playmaking and his decision making. I think there was a couple of times during that those Wallabies games where the thought was take the line on first and not worry not worry about the options outside until I'm in trouble or until I'm about to hit contact, which I think is a real problem. It could be a real problem and was really exploited towards the end there. 
But I, I feel like it's he's such a young player. That's something that'll come naturally to him. I mean, he's a he's a freak athlete as it is. But I think it's all about getting that practice in at the Super Rugby level, refine the combination. Get so I think that's if that's your future, Wallaby's combination. I think you're gonna at some stage pull a trigger and get that into the red system. Yeah, he's only twenty. Crazy. When you think about red side just as it is, I mean, Tate McDermott's 22. He yeah. feels like he's been around for ages. Yeah, they got some exciting prospects out there. Yeah, they do. It's uh, it's interesting seeing suddenly the options of depth that suddenly are coming up, which is... Uh, is I'm not complaining about one bit, must say. Um. So we'll lead into uh, our two last questions, which are kind of a bit more fun or a bit more orientated, more general, not necessarily focused on the on the upcoming uh, round or whatever. Um, and these were questions that we just mucked around with and had some fun with, uh, courtesy of Natho. But question four, we had this hypothetical situation presented to us. You get three players in the current current Wallaby squad to protect you, while the rest try and attack you. Who are the three players? that uh, you will pick. And as a disclaimer, just to stop us all going for one easy option, we can't select Taniela Tupo, um, which is... Uh, sorry, lads. Uh, <laughs> no Tom and Thor to protect us. So um, at the risk of throwing... Uh, of once again, throwing yet another hospital pass, um, I'll start with you, Natho. Um, who is the... Uh, who, are the three, who are the three wallabies that you go for uh, in the event that you need someone to protect you? Oh God, it is a tough one. Uh, even though I'm the one who came up with this question, so I probably should have thought this a bit more. Uh, number one, Lockie Swinton. I mean, the dude's crazy enough on a field. Can you imagine him in a when there are no rules and it's basically anarchy? Um, I get him on my side, absolutely. Uh, second, I'll go for another forward for my second. I, I'm, I'm going to pick from a, from a wider sort of Wallaby Wallaby squad. Uh, Pone Farmacilli. If I can't pick. Tong and Thor, I'm taking the next best thing. He is, he's got the agility. He's got the power. He, he'll get us out of situations by just bulldozing people. Plus, he's got, he's got a nice mullet, so that kind of keeps the morale high. And then third, I'm, I'm gonna need a back in there, uh, James O'Connor. I mean, he's, look, he's dealt with some serious situations. I mean, if we're, if we're needing someone to, to defend us and we're in that sort of life with that situation, I mean, the bloke's already gone through prison. And he's come through the outside. Um, he, he'll keep the motivation high. He'll all, all his the meditation or the, the savior world stuff he's doing. He'll keep us keep us mentally ready to go. I feel like he's someone you need. You need some, need a boost. He'll be that guy just to put put his arm on your shoulder and be like, "Mate, we can do this. We can get through this." So there's my three. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon, I reckon we're getting through clean. You probably had karate as well. He's probably good to be fair. He'll give you some zen. I just, I just like imagining like he'll, he'll just be like while everyone's attacking him, and you got, you, you got your two big boys spinning. You know, Connor's just there meditating. <laughs> just like it'll be okay. It'll be relaxed. We'll all be fine. But my only worry with your selections, Nathan, is that Swinton might get sent off after ten minutes. That's, no, no rules. Get rid of the referee. He's, he's our first target. Get rid of the referee. Take him out of play, and he just unleash him. <laughs> It's a contact sport. <laughs> um, I'll throw it to you now, Jack, uh, at, at the risk of potentially throwing myself under the bus here in terms of options. Um, 
Who are the? Th- I know. Uh, I know that uh, you will see the light and go just for forwards because I wouldn't. Uh, I, I uh, because we are forwards. We uh, we only trust. We only know what's going on in the forward pack. Uh, what are your picks? Uh, I'm going. I'm going to take the opposite tack and go. My first pick would be Nick White. He oh, just, controversy! Oh my goodness! He would just talk their ear off, yeah, and they would just <laughs> they would just immediately crumble. Have a little yappy halfback just going at him like a little, little, uh, little Jack Russell. Poke his eye out with his with his moustache. The yeah. mental warfare as well. Yeah, they really get under his skin. And then probably the other two would be the two biggest hitters in the uh, in the team would be Hunter Baisami, the hitman, the hunter, and uh, Korobiti. He can he can lay one out. Everyone remembers his tackle on uh, Jody Barrett to save that game. So uh, yeah, those two big hitters would. Bring up the rear and and uh, clean up everyone that's left. Interesting, interesting selections, and uh, you did nick one of mine, I must say, which is uh, which has devastated me a little bit in Hunter Paisami because uh, he he is an absolute gun, and uh, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, in terms of his role in the centres, but uh, outstanding selections there. Though uh, <laughs> I love that you're going. I was waiting for someone for someone to to pick a scrum half. Just pick to pick the little guy. <laughs> little man syndrome. Yeah, it it works. It does work. You know, and many many a man has been feared of a of a halfback. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for my picks for this one, um, first of all, I'm going straight straight for the front of the scrum, um, and picking BPA because uh, because uh, he's an absolutely terrifying man, and uh, on top of it, can tackle like a monster. Um, and it's I reckon he would be uh, an absolutely terrifying man uh, to bring down. Um, additionally, nice and aggressive, um, and has shown to have that increased aggressiveness uh, in, uh, when, when he's been playing for the Reds. Um, if, if, if I, additionally, as well, it's, it was a, it was a close toss up between him and, uh, and Falau Fainga in terms of having a big man. Um, and I'm going to quietly also go with uh, fashion and also pure aggression and pick Pete Samu as well uh, in the back row. Um, this man is beautiful. He's also terrifying. Um, and dish, and he will make an absolute mullet of anyone trying to, to come at me. So I'll be very happy to, to be, uh, to be protected by him. Um, and then additionally, uh, last of all, going for the experience, going for the experienced head to guide us through. Uh, I've got to pick either, I'm going to probably, it's a toss up between Scotty CO and James Slipper. Um, probably James Slipper. Uh, more versatile. Got the he's got the style. He's a he's a great player. He's a workhorse. He knows what to do. Trust the front row. Uh, that's that's my uh, that's my picks on this one. For middle three, I like Simon. I th- I feel like if, if there's a tack coming through, he'd keep everything all night like he's like his jersey tucked in. Everything being nice and coordinated. You just get let your two front rowers just bulldoze it. I like the, I like the strategy. I don't trust my rugby boy unless he's got his jersey tucked in and he's got the mullet flowing behind. That's uh, that's that's how it rolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so good picks, lads. Uh, understandable picks. Um, a pity uh, I know that all three of us would have picked Tupac given the opportunity because that man is absolutely terrifying. But that leads us on to our final question for the evening, and uh, this will be a, a, a question that I think will be. Incredibly controversial because when we discussed it on Friday night, Friday night, Jack and I came to a very intense disagreement, which is what is the best rugby anthem out there? Uh, we, uh, it's a, 
it's a bit of a tough one in terms of we're not talking about just obviously the country's national anthem. We're talking about what's it like to sing? What's it like to rile up the rugby crowd? What's it like to re- as a real, you know, get going, get ready for a for a great contest of footy? And I'm going to throw to you first, uh, t- to you first, Jack, because I know you d- you disagree with me and your com- and your opinion is completely wrong in every sense, in every way, shape, and form. But I suppose I have to hear you out. Um, what's your favourite rugby anthem? Uh, as a man with proud Irish heritage, it's got to be Ireland's call. Just brings a tear to the eye. Feels like I'm back in the uh, in the motherland, um, the the rolling green green hills of Ireland. Um, it's beautiful. You could play that. You could play that on a on a Sunday with a glass of wine and just sit back and and listen to it. Beautiful, touching stuff. Look, uh, it, look. In 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 your defence, all of those, most of those of those Isle, uh, those national anthems from the British Isles are all fantastic. Um, just the history and the actual connection to the to the game as well, which is fantastic. And it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Islands call. Um, Natho, what are your what are your picks on the uh, on the best rugby national anthem to belt out? Let's keep it close to home, but cross the Tasman, New Zealand. I mean. The, the you got the Maori Maori version just to really kick it through. Then you have the English come through. It sets the scene, and it's just it, it's so much. Considering how the All Blacks have played over the ten years, it's it's at this stage it's basically your death march. As soon as New Zealand play that, you know they're and you see the passion in their face. The the whole crowd, especially if you're at a venue like Eden Park or the Caton, you see them belting it out. You just it, just, it sets the scene, and it's just. It typifies what rugby's about, and you combine that with the harker, and it's just—it's uplifting. Give me, give me. I know it's tough to say, being an Australian, but give me, give me the New Zealand one all day long. Yeah, it's a, it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful language, especially when you when they sing both in Maori and uh, and in English. Um, though I must say, seeing the Australian anthem belted out in the local Indigenous language last year in uh, in Newcastle. Um, and uh, and uh, and also singing it in English came bloody close because we need to do more national anthems like that. That was fantastic. Um, how that one sounded. Um, I understand you both have uh, have opinions, and I respect your opinions, but I personally think they're wrong. Um, <laughs> for me, <laughs> and this goes to show how passionate I am about this. For me, it is Wales. The Welsh national anthem at Millennium Stadium is one of the most terrifying things you will ever hear, especially when they hit that climax. Um, one of my earliest memories of rugby was watching the Welsh sing uh, the national anthem as a farewell to Shane Williams, uh, the, the little winger. And my God, um, it was one of the most uh, emotional and awe-inspiring sounds of, uh, of, that I've ever heard. And on top of it, I don't think any other national, not only just the team, but just your, your audience, your attendance, can sing the national anthem as well as as the Welsh can, all seventy five thousand of them together. Um, so that's my personal pick. I reckon the Welsh have just got it nailed on the head. But hey, we live in a world of differing opinions. We had a bloke uh, allocating. We had a couple of mates uh, when we were um, watching the rugby last, um, last Friday saying that South Africa is the best. Um, and we'll throw this one into the comments as well as onto the Twitter sphere. Um, tell us what your favourite rugby uh, rugby anthem is. Just putting out a spe- special mention of the French as well. Once, once that gets belted out and there's a crowd around it and you get that real kind of atmosphere behind it, that, that goes off. That is incredible, but still New Zealand, probably followed by Wales and France for me. 
I understand that, but they're French. Come on, man. Oh no, and they're, they're the enemy coming up, but like, it's one of those songs you can, you can really sing if you're not involved with it. It's, it, it's, it's just one of those ones where you don't even need it, any venue, I reckon the French would still just belt it out. We'd probably belt it out after hearing you say that the Welsh were the only ones that could really do it with 75,000, but, uh, it's, it's still New Zealand for me, but you, you got, we gotta mention the French. We do, we do. The uh, the French are the French are amazing singers, and the, the, their national anthem is fantastic. Let's throw it out there. Let's throw it out into the Twitter sphere. Tell us what your favourite uh, national anthem before a rugby game is. Um, and don't just pick the one that you support. Come on, have some fun with it. Try and be a bit more objective. Let's have some. Um, but yeah. Um, so that will bring us to the end of this uh, episode of the po- of the dropped kickoff um, and, and the uh, and our questions from the from the Q and A. Um, we'll kick off. We'll just before we go, we'll finish with a small little preview. Um, we've got uh, in terms of the Super Rugby around uh, Australia AU coming up. Uh, the Force will have the bye this weekend. Um, the Reds will be taking on the Rebels at Suncorp Stadium, um, where while the Brumbies uh, will be back in Canberra in the national capital to host the Waratahs uh, in a very uh, intense derby match. Um, let's get let's get a quick pick. Uh, let's get a quick preview for both of you too. Uh, who do you, um, I'll throw to you first, Jack? Who do you think are going to win these two games? Brumbies, uh, Reds. Yeah, agreed. Natho. Yeah, Brumbies, Reds, both by fifteen plus. Ooh. Oh, jeez. You reckon it's going to be a demolition? <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. Sorry, I'll change it. I reckon Waratahs keep it close to the first half, and then Brumbies eventually run over. But I reckon the Reds. Dominate the rebels. Wow, I'm really, you really don't think the rebels are gonna? You really don't think the rebels are gonna show up? I mean, look, look it's a good side, but there's even with a full strength, it's not not good enough to challenge the Reds. You consider there's no help, Petty. There's no Nicerani. You have a, it's their first game coming up, and then you factor in all the travel thing they have to do going up to Queensland against a red side, which Barely left first first gear throughout that game. Let's face it, or except for that ten minute period where they really just put the foot in the Waratahs' throat. Um, I I think the Reds dominate. Interesting, interesting. It'll be curious to see. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, but that is actually not the only rugby that's kicking off. We've also got the rugby happening across the Tasman um, as well. The first round uh, of the Super Rugby in New Zealand is kicking off too. The Chiefs will be will be enjoying the bye, so we'll be having our two derby matches to kick off the rugby uh, in in New Zealand. The Highlanders will be uh, hosting the Crusaders um, at Dun- in Dunedin, um, whereas the Hurricanes will be uh, hosting the Blues at the Cake Tin um, in Wellington, in windy, beautiful, windy Wellington. Um, what are our picks for this one, Nathan? I'll throw to you first. This is going to be a, an interesting couple of games, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be great. And I, I love that we're going to have this doubleheader back in, starting with this Highlanders Crusaders game. Uh, I mean, if you're back against Crusaders, generally, the, the old saying's been you're just going to lose money. Um, I think it's going to be the same with this game. I think Crusaders will cruise. Highlanders have a good side. It's just the Crusaders are just uh, the Crusaders. I think that's enough said. Um, I'll, for the Saturday game, I, it's a bit of a coin toss, but you know what? Give it the Hurricanes at home. I think this is the year Geordie Barrett really step will step up, really sort of take that claim as one of the best players in that country. Um, yes, they don't have Dane Coles, but they, you get Julian Sevilla back in that side. He's an absolute monster. 
Um, and yeah, at, at home, I reckon they can do a job over the Blues. Interesting, very interesting. What do you reckon, Jack? Do you uh, do you differ on this, uh, or are you you know, or are you with Nathan? Yeah, the Blues look pretty exciting, but got to go my Hurricanes. Love the Canes. Um, and you know, just for just for a hot tip, I'll go to the Highlanders. Hate the Crusaders, so. <laughs> <laughs> is that that's betting that's with your head or your heart right there, that pick? Um, yeah, yeah, with spite, I think. With bitterness. My, uh, my fantasy team's gonna go off though. I think I got a few uh, my backline stack is crusaders. Yeah. I got a bunch of hurricanes after I tailed up Nick last week, so I'm I'm looking good. Yeah, look, I didn't have a good game last week. It has to be said. Uh, yeah, but I'm hopefully going to be uh, hopefully going to be showing up this weekend. I have a, I had a lot of Kiwis. That's what happens when you don't you don't you don't turn up to the rugby draft and you don't get all the good and you don't get all the good lads. But fingers crossed, this week I'll have a better showing. Um, my opinion, I'm actually going to go the Blues. I've got a I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that this year the Blues are looking the goods. Um, and they finally kind of broke their, their a couple their kind of losing streak against other Kiwi teams last year. Um, and uh, they actually started to look really good. Um, additionally, you know, having the likes of you know your Bowden Barrett's there at the time would uh, would help hugely. But I reckon there's there's something about the Blues this year. I reckon there actually there might be something in there to, to for them to start to challenge and you know maybe get into a finals position. So I actually think that uh, I'm going to go with the Blues on that one. And uh, while I I'm not as bitter uh, in regards to the the Southern Derby and uh, I've got family down in Dunedin, um, it's impossible to deny how good this Crusaders team is. They are outstanding. Um, so sorry sorry family in Dunedin, I'm, uh, I'm back with Crusaders for this one. No disrespect. Happy to be proven wrong, um, but at the moment, I don't think the Highlanders are on the same on the same level as the Crusaders are. So it's going to be uh, going to be an interesting game of footy when that one kicks off. Yeah, it's going to be a great crowd as well. If anyone saw the T20 today, they were up and about. They were they were drunk as, and they set a vibe for it for the T20. I reckon they're still going to be drinking for the next 24 hours. So I reckon it'll be it'll be a great crowd, but. The old saying goes: If you bet five bucks against Crusaders, you lose five bucks. It's a it's a contact sport. That's what it is. Um. All right, lads. I think that'll uh, that'll wrap us up for this episode of the Dropped Kickoff. Um. Cheers for turning up as always. We'll uh, we'll follow up in the next uh, in the next couple of weeks or so uh, with another Q and A pod. Um. As we you know approach the you know the next couple of rounds of uh, of Super Rugby AU and the Kiwi competition. Um, so for, for all of you, for everyone listening, um, if you have any questions that you want us to answer in our Q&A series, um, don't hesitate to, to drop it in this podcast, um, here in, in our notes for the podcast here on the, on the Green and Gold Rugby website. Hit us up on Twitter, um, with the hashtag the drop kickoff on Gagger. Or additionally, we are putting the questions out, the flyers out and the feelers out, out on the Gagger news, um, as well. So don't hesitate to uh, to throw us some questions here, and we will answer it in a future Q and A episode. Um, well, that will bring us to the end of this episode of the of Drop Kickoff, and uh, we'll catch you the next time around. Well, what did go wrong? I have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic, Shirley Bombo. Very interesting. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sir Bombo. Very good. Very good.